Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. If you're new here, this is going to seem strange, but I'll explain later. If you were my husband listening to this, it means you have found one of the clues for my anniversary escape room on Wednesday. And uh, if you want me to point you in the right direction, first I have to say thank you for your first time ever listening to my podcast in two years. God bless. I love you. And um, now for your clue. Happy anniversary to my sweet husband. Well, flying to Italy would have been neat. Who needs an Italian Riviera when you've got a thousand rented square feet? Even though we're stuck in this live escape room, I don't find it alarming. You're the love of my life and hopefully the next. My real life, Prince Charming. If you can find something in the kitchen that starts and ends with an E, but has one letter in the middle, another clue there will be. Good luck. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. Sorry about that. You know, if there's any if there's any way to get the people you love the most to listen to the thing you're the most proud of, Force is a really great avenue. But yes, it is my anniversary, Wednesday, May 13th. Um, we were supposed to go on a trip to Italy. We've been planning for three or so years with my family. And uh, obviously, we're not there. It's not a big deal. I don't, don't, don't feel bad for me. Um, but, you know, just trying to keep things fun because obviously we're stuck in an apartment and trying to make the most of it. And he and I both love an, you know, a complex series of uh, riddles and clues, each more intricate than the last. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a bit of a spy kit, a cryptex, a unsolvable box, invisible pens, you know, blacklight keychains and the like. And I live for a uh, rhyme scheme of complicated clues. So I figured what a great time to get him to listen to my podcast and see if he could figure out that this was part of it. I will keep you posted. But anyway, more importantly, um, this is a bonus episode that like once a month or so, like last month we had Heather McMahon. This month I called Danny Pellegrino. I just want to phone a friend, shoot the shit, have a lighthearted convo with people that I know you guys love that are friends of the pod and see what they're up to. And it's just, it's safe to say that Danny, I mean, what a breath of fresh. He is just like the, he is the absolute best. I like giggle talking to him. Like the, there's some people that just like brighten my spirit so much. I like tear up when I'm talking to them. Like, I mean, like they make me cry laugh. And that's always how I like my barometer for my favorite people. Um, I just think he's such a delight, such a nice guy and um, could talk to him about anything. And he himself is the true pop culture aficionado and his podcast, Everything Iconic, is the resource for all things TV recaps, especially if you're a Bravo fan. If you want to hear our 90s convo, listen to Wow, Danny P. Wow. It's an episode from last June or July. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, It is an intermission of influence in the time of COVID-19. This is like such a Mormon mommy bloggers thing where I set out to talk about one thing briefly. It turns into a trilogy because I can't help myself. And then by the end... I get so much feedback, it kind of changes the way I talk about it because this podcast shouldn't be about my agenda. It should be like demand driven. Like, what do you want to hear the most? And over the weekend, I was like, you know what? I bet a lot of people, like if I was doing my own under the influencer episode where I talk about my experience, I'd want to solicit questions. But I kind of figured that 
people's questions were limited to me knowing their identity from an email or from a DM or question box. So I made an anonymous form and I got so many questions, so many pretty detailed questions, not all I can answer, uh, but a lot of them I can. So I had pre-recorded a whole episode, but I actually just decided to revisit um, part of it to, uh, I don't know, just be able to answer. Like, I think what I thought people wanted to know wasn't exactly the same as what people really wanted to know. And um, I just, yeah, wanted to do some editing and re-record part of it. So it'll be out Thursday, earliest Friday, latest. And I hope this holds you over in the meantime. But rest assured it will be out this week. It has to be because I have advertisers on a deadline. So I'm being held to that. But yeah, so mostly done. Then need to take some time. So my slow three megabit per second internet can upload it. Uh, but hopefully I can enjoy my anniversary amidst the day-long upload or whatever the hell it's going to do. And I'll check back in with you later this week for the third part. Sorry for the long teaser and inconsistency. This is a weird time in life and uh, doing the best I can. But honestly, this is this episode is the perfect lighthearted pop culture palette cleanser. I think we all needed, myself included. Even listening back, even though I was part of the conversation, I'm enjoying listening to him so much. We talk about candles and home goods. I mean, gosh, what a dream. Ray Dunn. Do you guys like Ray Dunn? I'm very confused by Ray Dunn. Anyway, hope you enjoy. Take care of yourselves, your mental health. Above all else, please, 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 there's a lot of different projections and diff- for different areas of when we're opening up. I'm like, I could not be more stuck inside, and I definitely have my moments where I spiral, but trying to inject moments of joy where I can. For example, today I caught up on Housewives, Kardashians, and ate Taco Bell. And I have a lot of work I needed to do, but I decided I'd work tonight and just wait till I felt better. And honestly, I did. I think if you're working from home and you have the ability to kind of tweak your hours a bit, sometimes I'm just having a little trouble getting out of bed in the morning hours for me a bit darker than the night hours, strangely. Um, But then at night, I need to keep myself off of Reddit. You know, I think we all do. (laughs) It's better for us. Um, And I'm also in the midst of when I can't sleep in America's Next Top Top Model, Tyra Banks' problematic deep dive where she did things in past episodes like do photo shoots where people change races and make a girl whose friend just died do a photo shoot in an eight-foot-deep grave dressed as one of the seven deadly sins. Truly, I can't even believe. We used to binge-watch this on UPN, and it was even remotely acceptable. Like, she's a monster. It's crazy. Revisit it. Anyway, I love you. Enjoy the episode. I stepped out to take the dog out. Now I'm forgetting if I told you that the full video of this interview is on Patreon. Patreon.com slash be there in five. And then I'm also posting the Anna Delvey deep dive I did with a listener on Patreon. Um, Hopefully by the weekend once I get it uploaded. So stay tuned. But anyway, okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, uh, we'll get into it. Let me first introduce you like formally start the podcast. Um, (laughs) Okay, guys. I'm so happy to welcome back. Well, King Icon Legend podcast host, author, writer, comedian, Danny Pellegrino. Hello. Welcome back. I'm, it's I'm been so almost happy. a year. Almost a year. Too long. And I am very upset because you were supposed to do my live show in Chicago, which I'm still going to beg you to do when I'm eventually there. But uh, I was so excited to be able to see you and for us to do a nice little live show together. And and the stupid coronavirus that I hate so much. I hate this coronavirus. <laughs> Um, prohibited crafting that. our style like that <laughs> <laughs> ruining everything i was so excited for that too and i've been trying to find silver linings and the only one for me with your show has been you know television got considerably better after april 1st oh yeah yeah are you watching a lot of new stuff or are you just kind of diving into the things you already liked I'm diving into the things I already liked. I, Danny and I were talking about earlier how we talk so much. I we get a little sick of our own voice. I think I'm struggling because I'm sick of 
my voice. So then when I talk to family and friends, I'm a little annoyed. But then I'm also so sick of TV, which it's usually my escape, but I now have too much time to watch it. So I'm not taking on a lot of new stuff, but I do love Family Karma. Oh, good. Yeah, I do too. I know Family Karma, it's not it's not super dramatic, but I am lo- I loved it. And I'm hopeful it gets picked up. I don't know if it will. I don't think it will. I don't know if it will. Maybe it will. It's not the right time to be a new show. Like you'd think it would be, but like, I just feel like the, it hasn't gotten the hype. It, it doesn't have, it has inherent like tight knit reference group drama, but not like crazy drama. There's a weird thing too, where if it's not part of a franchise already, like if it's not a below deck spinoff or a Southern charm spinoff, like they're getting canceled quite often. And what I love most about family karma is I feel like there's so much, I, I love the first season, but I felt like there was so much potential for upcoming seasons because they have a good yeah. relationship and it's like a, a very interesting culture. I, I would love to see more of it. I, you know, I saw the first episode of that camp show that, airs i don't know when this podcast is airing but it like bug juice for adults right yeah and i like i love any sort of camp entertainment like i loved bug juice i loved like camp nowhere is one of like my favorite movies as a kid and heavyweights um and i love all that stuff and so i really loved this i only saw one episode but i really loved it and i'm like already preparing myself for it to get canceled i'm like it's already gonna get canceled so was it entertain? Like, was it a good pilot? Yeah, I thought it was great. You know, it's not. I think with all, a lot of these shows, we almost go into it expecting like a Vanderpump Rules or Housewives, and it's not that same level of drama. But yeah. it's still. I thought it was great. I don't know how to explain it. It is like you said, an adult bug juice. Like that's the best way to explain it. Like I was watching it and just thinking the whole time, "Wow, I want to go to this camp." Like it looked like fun. They had fun activities. And there is interpersonal, you know, it's very much a mix of uh, summer house and below deck, like because the huh. camp counselors are there for the weekend and then they go back to their normal lives and then they come back. So I think it's similar to summer house in that way. And it's a young crowd. And then also below deck, it's sort of like we have the um, the the young employees and then we have like the staff that runs the place um so i i hope it does well i again maybe the rest of the season sucks so i don't want everyone to think i'm like (laughs) you know love it but i thought the pilot was great it does it is it a camp for adults or the adults or the counselor and there's actual kids there it's a mix of both well there's no kids there (laughs) but they're uh adults go there and then they also have counselors that are adults so we follow the counselors but okay. then also there's like drama with the people that come in. I sound like I'm doing press for the show or something. But... <laughs> I'm going to cover this aggressive beam of light. Hold on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm still listening. Okay, there we go. Oh, so, uh, so there is a weird mix. And so the, the people that come and visit for the weekend, or I think they come for four or five days, there is drama with them as they come in. So it's it's similar to Below Deck in that way, where it's like people come and then they're gone the next episode. Oh, oh I, th- so people va- like adults vacation there. Yeah, it's sort of like oh, a weird vacation. Okay. So like you and I, that we could go so with it. We could, I know in the first episode, it's like someone's uh, people are going for someone's, I don't know if it was 35th or 40th birthday or something. So it was a group of friends that come and visit, but we uh-huh. follow the counselors. The camera follows the counselors. And then the people that are visiting are just there for the episode. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I, I I'm having trouble imagining a, that like conversation with a friend of like, 
screw Mexico. Let's do a ropes course. But it sounds <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, it's. I guess I sound like so lame that I like am talking so much about this show. But I, what I. <laughs> I sort of knew about it loosely because my friend Jill and I, we had like looked up a couple years ago to go to one of these because um, there's one in California. I forget where this show is based, but there's one campsite in California where it is that. It's like you go for the weekend and you gather a bunch of friends and they have the lake and they have all sorts of those kids camp things that you do. That's, so I felt uh, yeah, like I, I could, loosely knew. It'd be fun with booze. Yeah, you, they drink a lot too. There's a lot of drinking. And like, I'd assume a karaoke. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like anything else, just off-site. Yeah, it's like a fun thing to, I don't know, a a different thing. And I think people will either love that or hate that. I love the camp shit. Like, I love anything camp-related, so I liked it. But maybe people won't be into it. (laughs) You're just like, I'm a big camp guy. (laughs) (laughs) But I am. (laughs) Did you go to camp as a kid? No, but I see that's why I am a camp person because like I dreamed of it. Like I, you don't even understand. Like I always was so jealous of people because we, my family, we didn't have any money and they didn't have any money. It, like they wouldn't send me anywhere because, you know, I don't know. Camp's was expensive, it expensive actually. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, a, so, probably like 700 to a grand a week. Yeah, we didn't have that. My mom was like, go play outside in the yard and, you know, run across the street. I, I remember we used to play. <laughs> we lived on a main road and my parents didn't matter how old we are. They just let us outside and we would my one of my best friends lived across the main road. And I would just always like there was no stop or anything. I would just run across the main road and no one Hope gave a shit. <laughs> Everyone crossed their fingers. My, like, literally one of my dogs got ran over. <laughs> oh, God. That. That's not That's funny. Bad. I'm not laughing at that. But it was like we just didn't. I don't know. It was a different time. It's a free for all. Um, well, that brings me to one of my questions I had for you. I saw you tweeted this. Well, to catch people up, and I don't know when this will air, but yesterday there was this basically Britney Spears. Um, she posted an Instagram video saying something so both nonchalant and juvenile all at the same time, wearing a puka shell necklace saying, I actually wrote it down. Um, I haven't been here in six months. I burnt down my gym, unfortunately. I had two candles and one thing led to another. And yeah, I burned it down. Um, Kate, Kate, I loved it so much. Like that whole Instagram, I loved so much. Uh, it's, I like, it was wild. I go back and forth. Some Part of me thinks the Britney stuff is a little dark for me to take on comedically. Sure. Stuff like this is like, it's not even about her life situation. It's about the execution. The delivery was outstanding. Right. The way she said one thing led to another. And I'm like, well, what thing led to this? Like, what's the next thing? And like, she's like, so, it, so it burnt down. Like, and then she just moves on and it's like, okay, now I'm going to show you my workout. I know I love, I love her. And I, I agree with you in, in that so a lot of times with Brittany, I just feel like it is, it is dark. And I, I don't know if any of us really understand like the mechanics of what's going on. Um, I don't know that we ever will, but I, so I don't, I, and I'm certainly not making fun, but it was just that particular was really great because of the delivery. And it was like, yeah, I burned the gym down. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, burning yeah. the gym down and skinny as a needle or like two of uh, my favorite things she's ever done. But when I was looking into it, this is the third time she's burned something down with candles. Yeah. In well, 2002, you know <laughs> she had two candle burning incidents. And the, the article, it was like the Irish Observer, it was some bullshit website, but it was an article still. And the article concluded with Lynn Spears said she really learned her lesson this time. She <laughs> like, did <it>. she <laughs> Spoiler alert, she did it. But the reason I bring that up, re your childhood home, you mentioned that 
you had an, a Yankee candle incident when you were 13. Can you elaborate? Oh, oh, Kate, actually, um, I don't mean to disappoint you, but this happened when I was an adult very recently. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to. Did you say uh, you I were 13 or did I just assume? <laughs> uh, maybe you probably just assumed I was a teen because it certainly happened very recently. Um, about I haven't had two... an advent calendar in a few years, so I think I assumed you were younger. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, uh, okay, so I'll tell this story really briefly. Uh, I had a Yankee Candle advent calendar. It was it like it was one of those tea light size candles every day that you would burn. <laughs> you know, and the one day I was burning it and I had for some reason like a paper bag lunch. I was at my desk at home, but for some reason I had like a paper bag lunch I was at my computer and I lived in a very tiny apartment and right behind me was like my kitchen table with the candle burning. And so I was at the computer screen and right behind me was the table. A very small apartment. Everything was on top of each other. Anyway, so I finished the bag lunch and I was still at my computer finishing an email or something. I threw the, um, I threw the paper bag uh, over my shoulder onto the table, but without looking and I wasn't even paying attention. And then it turns out like then the whole place like went on fire and I was able to get it out. It wasn't like I burned down the apartment building, but like I, there was a substantial fire in my apartment. But the best part or sort of the worst part was there was this big fire. I had burned like a lot of Chip and Joanna's like stuff from Target. I had like a lot of the, what do they call that? The um, uh, 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 Hearth and collection. Home. Right, right. <laughs> I had quite a lot of Hearth and Home stuff that was uh, burned to a crisp. Um, but I was able to get so the fire under like control. This is like very recent, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it was two years. It was two Christmases ago, maybe. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so then there, I was very shook up, like, because it was a pretty large open flame in my apartment. And um, so then I went on, like, a hike. And I went to Runyon Canyon, which is here in L.A. There's this high canyon. You hike to the top of it. So I used to do a lot of videos when I would get to the top of Runyon Canyon. And I was doing a video about my Yankee Candle incident and I was being facetious and make, I, I was joking about how bad it was. Like I was talking to the camera yeah. on my phone and uh, referencing this big fire. Um, but what I didn't realize was that it was in the, uh, in the midst of these LA fires that were going on. So it was like, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of fires here in LA. It was like that really bad time. Remember on Housewives of Beverly Hills when there were uh, Denise's house burned down? Oh it my was God, that, yeah. It was that time. It was like literally like that day where there was so much fire. And so over my shoulder in the video, you could see flames that you could see smoke everywhere. And here I was on Runyon Canyon talking about my little like Yankee candle thing. And I ended up getting so many messages of people being like, that was disrespectful. And I was like, I didn't even know. I was talking about my Yankee candle fire and like joking about it. Um, but it was, it was a little uncouth of me, I suppose, because we were in the <laughs> midst of like a, an LA fire situation and you apparently could see it in the background. So people were not happy with me that day. Um, but you know, I was, I was sharing my story. To get canceled over like balsam and cedar or like, you know, something that brings you so much joy. <laughs> but I do love a candle. My boyfriend gets mad at me because I still will light. I love a candle. It's like uh, to me, it's self-care to like light that fucking scented candle. Um, and I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, nothing yeah. Better, nothing like, better than a three wick. There's nothing better than a three wick. I've been looking at YouTube videos about how to do a more even burn. Um, because did, did you are, like. 
I, when, okay, when you read reviews for candles, there's like candle lingo. <laughs> I, this is why I love you so much, like because we could just talk about candles anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's just do a candle deep dive. Um, there's something they call throw, and throw is the ability of the scent to reach width wise. Mm. So there's the potency, but then there's the throw of how far the scent goes. And when you look into candle, um, lingo and reviews there's actually like a, a huge quality gap in like candles and all i ever do is the old sniff test but apparently i've been putting my money i'm not i'm not investing well mm. candle wise because they should be burning evenly but mine never do right so you're so wait you're you're supposed to look for something with a, a heavy throw or like a good yeah. throw <laughs> a, a broad throw i think a broad throw it, okay that's that's the terminology i found to search on amazon but uh, on like TikTok, there's a lot of videos about like how to salvage candles because I throw them out even if the whole ridge is still there. But when you, what I like should, I wish I knew how much money I've spent on candles in my lifetime because I'm a pretty, like I'm pretty fast and loose with the burn time. Like I just let them go and right. then it's gone. Yeah. I I'm fast and loose too. You know, and I, <laughs> I always tend to stock up when Bath and Bodies has their like big sale on the three wicks. Yes. That's a good day for me when, when I could just hop online, I'll do it. I, I I don't even, I sort of enjoy it more online. I know people prefer going to the store and actually smelling them, but to me, there's, this sounds so gay of me, but there, it's so nothing more exciting than getting that big box and then like going through and, and discovering that scent when you get it in the mail. It's like a That's surprise. Actually, that is a good point. Well, and like with Bath and Body, former White Barn scents, it's like, you kind of know the drill for most of them. Like, what are your favorites? Actually, people on this ep like podcast really live for some Bath and Body content, so don't yeah, consider this small talk. <laughs> who among us doesn't? To be honest, you know, I there used to be a latte scent that Bath and Body does that I they haven't gotten back in years. This was probably five, six, seven years ago that they used to offer this one that was a it was a coffee flavor that I love, and I know they still have espresso ones and and things like that. But there was one particular. I, I think it was just called Latte. I could be wrong of the name, but it, I loved it so much. And I haven't been able to find something that I like that much since. But I like any seasonal one. I love a pumpkin, anything, pumpkin, cinnamon, that kind of thing. I don't tend to love like the fruity ones. Um, my yeah. boyfriend likes like a mango or something like that. But I, I kind of like a eucalyptus mint. Uh, there's a stress relief one that Bath & Body does that I love. Sort of like a relaxing scent. Um yeah. I've never ventured outside of holiday now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, wow, Kate. You're really missing well, like, out. <laughs> like a fall and like, well, I'm a leaves in winter diehard. I'm a sweater mm. weather. You know, this, I, I like the the festive sense, but I'm with you on the fruity. I'm really struggling right now because the other thing I want to talk to you about, I live near a home goods. It's on my dog oh. walk route and they allow dogs. Wow. And it's literally part of our routine. And a big part of my routine is like, just like now that I say this, this is weird, but I just like go do like a full sniff, like once a week. And I, and I see what they've got. And they've, you know, I am big into like the amber, like darker scents that, uh, that home goods has, but, um, I am like really feeling this, like, I don't like to shop in person. I normally like to shop online. Like you said, all of a sudden, all I want to do is roam through a Marshall's with like a loose pillowcase on the ground and like a dust bunny in the corner and like go to town. And I'm just missing the experience. Yeah. Well, you're talking to the right gal because I love a home goods more than anything. And I love, I mean, I love the Holy Trinity, Marshall's, TJ Maxx, home goods. That's, you know, of course the Holy Trinity. And do I you love have a all card? those. 
<laughs> of course. You um, have the I, credit card they ask you for every time? Yeah, I have the credit card, of course. Yeah. Like the Who one, like the, the actual <laughs> credit card. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Wait, it's Home Goods, TJ Maxx. Wait, and they're Marshall. all together, right? Are they, but yeah. I mean, owned by the same company, I think. All three yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and they pester you about that damn card. And it's not a rewards card, it's a social security number, a credit card. Yeah, yeah. No, I've. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I've got it. <laughs> I've got to get I've that, made that mistake. <laughs> I, uh, there's nothing I love more. The Home Goods is my favorite though. And and I just I miss it so much. I, I could just browse those aisles forever. The, they have so many different things there. I just I miss it. I really miss it. What do you think is like your favorite aisle? Oh, that's tough. I, I'd say my favorite is by the register. I always tell people when I, they ask me for tips, <laughs> I say, make sure you leave enough time by the register and don't be in a rush. I think early on in my home goods training, my mom, of course, trained me, <laughs> Linda Pellegrino. She, she really trained me on this. She, uh, I, I, early on, I think I thought when I got to the checkout lane, I had to just get it, get out of there. You know, like I had to speed right. up. And I realized that when I get to the checkout counter, I have to just allow myself, let other people go in front of me if need me, need be. Don't think about time. Don't worry about your, if you're holding up the line. Right. Like just enjoy that experience because there's lots of good snacks and candies. I People are probably tired of hearing me say this, but I love the orange slices. They always have different brands of those orange slices, you know, those candies. I do. And I, it's funny. I don't know if I've ever heard you talk about that because one of the things I was going to say is like, you. Know, I mean, you have um, a, a new show called, I think it's it's like, what the fuck is happening or oh, what, what, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, to me, it's like, what the fuck is going on with specialty foods at Home Goods? Like, who the fuck is buying those hardened can, like sour candies at the this register? I did guy. not know you ate Home Goods cuisine. Oh, yeah. My favorite thing in Home Goods is like literally those orange slices. And they always, it's another surprise because they're usually always really good. It's usually like five bucks for a little bag of them. But they're always really great, like better than what you would find just in the candy aisle of grocery store. And they're always different brands. So it's always a little bit of a surprise, like whether you get a good one. Sometimes they have the cherry slices. Sometimes they're mixed. Sometimes, you know, I like all the candies. I, I To me, the candies are the best part. If you've never tried them, I think like go get the specialty <laughs> candies next time. I'm shocked. I'm yeah. shocked. <laughs> honestly like it's just it's such a who's who of like like fake candy companies not held to the accountability of an expiration date it's like you've right. never no, heard of them you don't almost know where they're always, from. almost always expired you know they often have those uh oreos that are chocolate covered there which i also love um but occasionally you'll get some of those and you'll you'll be like these are stale you know but you take that chance when you pick them up I, yeah, they're all like tied with twine. It's like, I feel the same way. Like, okay, I guess I should ask you too. Like, what's your least favorite aisle or like one you skip over? Well, wait, real quickly though. I just have to say to any of your listeners who might be listening, there is one other item that is usually found at Marshall's that I am obsessed with. And it's the big peanut butter cups at the, and I've like literally looked them up online to try to buy them online. Um, but it's like a giant, like this, I know one can see me, but a big size uh, peanut butter cup. And it's the best peanut butter in the middle, best chocolate. And they very rarely have them. So if anyone knows how to get me like a slew of those, like, I will pay top dollar for those. Do you um, know what brand it is? You know, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but 
it, it's typically at a Marshall's. It's not always at Home Goods or TJ Maxx. TJ Maxx has them sometimes, but mostly at Marshall's at the checkout counter. Giant, it's Reese, not a Reese, but a giant peanut butter cup. Um, and I've looked it up online. I can't remember the name of it, but online they even have like weird ones where you can get them with M and M's in the middle or like cookie crisp in the middle. But you can't. Huh. When I checked, you couldn't buy them online. So anyway, my least favorite. Uh, let me think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> While you, you know, think, I as with the peanut peanut butter cups, it's like home goods foods. One thing, home goods specialty food, like eh, on the fence. Marshalls is solely stale veggie <laughs> chips and like vegetable sticks and those peanut butter cups it's like at home goods it would at least be like Ghirardelli but like I just feel like Marshall's like what's a chocolatier like I guess it's like the the Russell Stover level like pretty no, shitty chocolate no, no Kate I, I'm a chocolate connoisseur <laughs> <laughs> I promise you this chocolate I'm gonna get them when this whole COVID-19 situation ends I'm gonna get them and I'm gonna send you one of the peanut butter cups because you will Please. be shocked You'd be shocked. Um, I don't know if I have a least favorite aisle though. Um, I I like them all. I don't typically go in like the bedding so much unless I'm, you know, need new pillows or something. But even then, I'm like weird about pillows. So I'd say that maybe my least favorite. How about you? What's what do you like there the most? Well, for my least favorite, it's kind. Of, I guess for me, aisles the wrong way to distinguish it because it's like my least favorite aesthetic. Because you know how they're like grouped by aesthetic, and I like zip past the roosters zip past mm. the lemons sure i don't need a you know like overweight italian baker like as a lamp post like i don't like the um i don't like the like 90s 2000 tuscan mcmansion stuff that like doesn't seem to ever tire uh but i i love that i love the area where it's like a himalayan salt lamp like a crystal structure, an oversized vase, because it, it's not, you can't define it, but sometimes I see something that's just pretty and I want it. And to me, decor and art is all about that. It's not about function. It's about like, you see it, you want it and you don't know why. And that's right. what home goods like does really well. I think is like, it just has beautiful things. Yeah. It's so funny you mentioned a salt lamp because I just told my boyfriend that's like what I want to get next. <laughs> Cause I saw some designer that I follow on Instagram was like suggesting people get a salt lamp. And I like literally, I like clocked into my head. I was like, when this all ends, I need to go get a salt, a Himalayan salt lamp. Um, you but can I want to see it on Amazon per- now for $10. I, I know, but I want to see it in, per- I want to see that particularly in person. I feel like that'd be a good like reason to go to home goods purchase. Well, it's funny because when you read online about Himalayan salt lamps, they really hard sell you on ions and energy and all the shit it's going to do for you. And then you go to a home goods and it's literally it's riddled with Himalayan salt lamps and it does have good energy. (laughs) So, yeah, you're right. You're right. (laughs) Oh, that's just math. No, I think that like. I, it's funny. I just, I really do buy everything online and I really am irritated by a store, especially by like a clothing try on session. And it isn't, it's an interesting experience and lesson like live, like not living life um, and just enjoying things, not for productivity sake, but just for meandering sake. Cause I think like as a nation, we've probably gotten out of the habit of just perusing stores. If you don't need to. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think, 
I think those stores, TJ Maxx, Home Goods, those are going to be some of the the few stores that I think will outlast a lot of the the things we're going through. And and I think yeah. people do miss just browsing those aisles. And it's one of the few retail places that you know you can't. Ch- I think they did uh, open up uh, e uh, commerce eventually. Um, but oh, they did. I think one of them did. I don't know. Some someone just opened e-commerce. I, is it TJ? Some, one of them did. Um, but still, I think for the majority of us that like to go to those places, we just want to browse, and then that's where we find the things we need. You know. Right. The last co- other question I had about that is, um, uh, how do you feel about Ray Dunn? Oh uh, well, you mentioned that McMansion stuff, and I always think of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. They, especially early on, like they had that whole aesthetic for their homes and they still do. I think even Teresa's home, which is beautiful, but it's got a lot of that stuff. And she always has the Ray Dunn mugs. Like I've seen them, you know, she's uses them. And so I, I don't hate them, but I don't, it's not necessarily something that I would like go for, but I know some people who love it, love it, but I'm not, it's not really for me. I love a big mug. I mean, speaking of coffee mugs, but uh, I, mine needs to have a little bit more personality. Although I got to say I did buy, I do have a Ray. Uh, I have one that says mama and I always think of Heather from the real houses in New York. And I mama, bought it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I bought it, you know, in honor of her. Cause she always would say, Hey mama. <laughs> so I do have one. Heather Thompson, honestly, is a person in retrospect that I'm like, we didn't appreciate her. She was she wasn't bad. It, it was at the time we had such rich care, like we had the like, riches and quality that I didn't need her. But now I'm like her obsession with like P. Diddy and like working with Fat Farm and Baby Fat and then Mama and Hala and Yummy Tummy. I mean, it's 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 too good. She's good. But yeah, yeah. Ray Dunn is a funny thing. I've noticed that I didn't realize. So like. I didn't realize people used Ray Dunn as collector's items. I thought it was kind of just like a clearance item like that happened to be at these places because people didn't buy them because it's a very hard, like from a business standpoint, the inventory, like mixture, like the skew mix of every word on every product, like one word is in- incredibly hard. And um, I didn't realize people consider them collector's items. And when I was researching, people wait outside at home goods marshals and the like around the corner when a ray dunn shipment drops on a tuesday for well, a word the, in a font by the way kate i love that you were doing research on ray dunn like that's <laughs> my favorite my favorite sentence i've heard today um but yeah i, <laughs> I think well, uh, I like, is this not comic sans like this to me it's just not like that great yeah. no offense to i don't know like i get mckenzie child's or whatever but like this is like like if Mackenzie had a child, it would be Ray Dunn. Like it's just like the scribbly writing. It's so stupid. I think on eBay too, they sell them for crazy amounts too because it's collectory. Um, Damn. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I, I, ha- I have a Hey Mama mug, and I think I might have a pen. You know, Home Goods was kind enough to send me a little shipment, and there was a Ray, there was a pen in there um, of his. That's that's a dream company. Yeah. Just like. It's it was in, the best day of my life. <laughs> it was I, literally is, the best day. How do you feel about okay? So, like my friend that's an influencer was on the podcast and she was telling people, she was like, if you are ever sharing a brand, 
you need to tag them. Like you're featuring them, like anybody, anywhere, like just tag them. You never know. I feel a little thirsty doing it, but the few times I have done it, I just got 50 coupons in the mail for a lifetime supply of ranch because I mentioned a ranch brand. What a thrill, what a life, small perk of the job. But I don't always like to do that. Do you like, how do you feel about tagging companies in your stories if you're talking about them? You know, I I want to, I was just thinking about this recently, actually, because now where we're at, it's like there's certain companies, if you like something that's like a smaller company, I think everyone is struggling right now. So I was thinking yeah. like, yeah, you should, everyone should be tagging if you're, buying a uh, popcorn from some, you know, I love uh, in Chicago, I love Garrett's popcorn. So I think like, yeah, support the companies you like. I also just got Portillo's delivered, which was like a dream. Um, the cake. Uh, they like are delivering. They, I got the cake. They sent me um, uh, chocolate cake and then Italian beef, but I will be. And if, if usually if they send it to me, like I'm happy to post it and tag it. If like, yeah. you know, somebody sends it to me but uh, if i'm if it's not something that like they sent to me if it's just something i bought and i really like it i'll share it you know if i if it if it's something i think other people would like i won't just post like anything um uh but yeah if it's something i love that i want to just share like hey guys check this this out I'll, i don't mind well, there was there was one <laughs> i wish i could remember what it was i'm like crying thinking about it it made me laugh so hard Oh, you got a little women <laughs> promo well, box. It was the set. It was. It was. It was set. Yeah, sad. some of those movie those movie boxes because there is one company that um, it's a PR company that they will send me stuff um, and it's like a a partnership and so. I will have, you know, you have to post certain times when they, you know, and they'll tell oh, you what sorry. to Oh, sorry. I didn't realize you had a partnership. <laughs> then in which case, I won't say anything. Um, <laughs> you know, it, you can't always control it, but you got to find ways to make money in this economy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it was like, a, it. what's tough about PR and like promo mail is like, if you want it to be on theme with the work and the work is like, like the theme is like famine. I don't know. It's kind of like bleak. Right. It's hard to brand something sexy. That's kind of old timey, but uh, that was something that stuck out to me. Another thing I need to follow up with you about that I saw in your stories. Um, can you explain to the class what happened when your mom called you out on, I think not wishing your brother happy birthday. Yeah. 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 That was a tough time in the Pellegrino household. Uh, you know, I, my brother's 40th, birthday tended or happened to fall on Channing Tatum's 40th birthday party. And so on Twitter, I, I wasn't thinking of my brother, you know, I love him dearly, but uh, I am thinking of Channing Tatum quite often. And I just happened to go on Twitter and wish Channing Tatum a happy birthday. And I included a magic mic uh, gif of him, uh, gif of him stripping. And uh, my mom had to text me and say, Hey, by the way, it's your brother's birthday. Did you wish him a happy birthday? And I said, no, I will though. And she said, well, you wish Channing Tatum a happy birthday on Twitter. I saw it. And so she wasn't happy, but you know, we all have priorities and I, my brother knows I love him, but uh, I just happened to miss it I, that it made me laugh really hard because i think there's a weird problem with like um just be like being a person that prioritizes putting out content is that you'll do it before you take care of like 
the stuff you need to do in like your normal life. So you, you'll need to get back to somebody with some kind of important, but like, you know, I'll be putting up an Instagram story about an American girl doll or something. And like, you know, it's not pressing. No, but it is part of my job and nobody cares or respects that. So it's hard to explain right when I miss something more importantly, but it was just like the perfect um, person to be like, well, you wish Channing Tatum. (laughs) She wasn't wrong. She definitely wasn't wrong, but yeah, it's, you know, sometimes too, I, that's happened with me. I think it was like someone I was working with or something like I, uh, I, I do these things called Jessica Thursdays and they're like these really long ass captions on my Instagram. And uh, somebody had gotten upset because I, they were like waiting for a call back for me and, I was, it, I had no other reason other than I was posting that, but it is it, all that stuff on social media does kind of become part of the job. It's like part of yeah everything. Um, but it is hard to explain that sometimes. That's why. Yeah. I told you I blocked my husband. He can't see any, like, I don't, if I, if, if he knew what I was doing when I told him I was busy, it would be, no, <laughs> it wouldn't go, go overall, get it. but people don't get it. Um, yeah. speaking of Jessica Thursday, oh, I, I was just going to say, I'm also always taking yeah. notes for like housewives when I'm watching for my podcast. And, and that's like a weird thing to explain to people like, no, I have to watch this and I have to pay attention. Like I can't talk on the phone while I'm watching whatever. Yeah. Well, and I think that's kind of my problem with those shows is like as multitasking, I just have a problem anymore, like watching something mindlessly when I can also be on my phone. And I don't think I like am as into them anymore. But part of me thinks it's because I'm not paying as close of attention as I once was. Yeah. Yeah. I I tend to find like the best, the best stuff in those shows is usually the weird details where I'll only notice because I'm taking notes. Like I'll notice just some weird, I don't know, moment or, or line or something. That's what I, um, I, I find that those are the best moments. No, it's true. And like, I think that I was kind of down. Well, we'll get into housewives in a minute, but um, I wanted to ask you your kind of high level takeaway on uh, Jessica Simpson's memoir. I, we both did episodes about it because honestly, I, I slept on it for two months. Everybody told me to read it. I was like, honestly, I'm good. I feel like I've got the vibe. I watched newlyweds. Like I understand Jess, like I'm fine. And then it it completely transformed my opinion of her. I thought it was revelatory. I thought it was a bright spot of 2020. I won a glitter cup, even though that's not the point. I know, like, I'm I'm glad she's doing better. Um, but I I don't know. I couldn't believe I, there were so many life lessons buried in there. And she's so much smarter than I thought she was. And I never gave her enough credit. And um, so many memoirs are just mired in these bullshit childhood stories. I have no interest in. Um, and her child her her childhood was popular culture. It was brilliant through and through, in my opinion, but I wanted to ask yours. Yeah, I totally agree. I thought the writing was great. I know she worked with another writer, so I, I thought whoever she worked with was fantastic. And it really was well-written and interesting. And I was shocked at how she went there with so many different people that have uh, been yes. in her life. People like John Mayer or, or Tony Romo or whoever it was. There were so many different people in pop culture that she really went there and I was shocked because I've I've like ghostwritten and co-written books and stuff and usually publishers aren't as uh, fast and loose with allowing you to name names like the the way she did and um so I don't know yeah. exactly like how she got away with that but she did and it was it that's what I thought was so brilliant and juicy about it it was like 
very rare for a celebrity memoir to just, usually there's like a little tiny tidbit of someone or it's implied or something, but she just named names and like just went there with every single person, every chapter. And I couldn't believe that. And I don't know if it's just because she's like, well, I'll pay for the lawsuits if they come after me or something or what it was, but it's very rare. And I thought bravo to the publisher for not taking those names out. I'm sure there was still stuff that was cut. Like I, um, yeah, I would put money on. There were surely stories that were cut out that they thought were too far or something. But for the most part, like every single chapter in that book was loaded with uh, some good gossip or or uh, stuff about uh, pop culture lovers I think would like. I thought it was just such a probably uh, my favorite read of the last year or so. There was another book called Ladies Who Lunch or Ladies Who Punch about the view and and both of those books, I I just loved. If anyone's into pop culture, I think both of them are just great. The uh, my what I kind of gathered. I don't even know why I think this, but I kind of thought she was vaguely saying that she felt full license to talk about anybody who's publicly talked about her. And the only exception being Johnny Knoxville, but uh, obviously John Mayer and the sexual napalm of it all. Like he doesn't deserve any discretion and. Um, Nick Lachey, like grab ass Joe. you know what I mean? Like it, it was, right. she, she went in on people that have gone in on her. The Johnny Knoxville thing was shocking. Cause nobody knew that. Shocking. And then it t- I was so surprised. It, it kind of c- took some of my memories from me because what an iconic moment I have all, I think about often is when she was um, cry singing through let him fly Right. on stage and had to sit down and she said in the book that was about johnny not nick there were so many i mean the whole johnny knoxville of it all i did not expect or you know i feel like i always knew a lot about her but there were a lot of details like that or even the the uh hookup with nick lachey after they were yeah. uh, not together anymore like that was surprising to me he went to her house or vice versa i forget but um yeah yeah, there was so much. Though I know a lot of people were critical because people were always like DMing me their thoughts, and they still are. Like, because I love, I love her, and I, a lot of people were saying uh, Joe Simpson. They wished she would have went in a little bit more about her relationship mm. with him and and where he's at now. And I think she was respectful, but I think it was like easy enough to read between the lines of she was saying, well, he's gay now. And, you know, he's, he brought a young man to the wedding. She was like saying things without saying it. And I think it was easy enough to read between the lines. That was one of the only spots where I thought it would have been nice if she talked more, but it wasn't her story to tell. I get why she didn't. And I think it was all there. If you kind of read into it. I was going to ask you that because I and like people in my Facebook group, we were all like, wait, Joe Simpson already came out. Like we thought this has been known for years and years and years. I can't find evidence of that anywhere. No, he's never. And so he never has. There's like lots of paparazzi of him with, you know, young boys. And if you look at his Instagram, it's like he photographs like a lot of shirtless men. And that's like his career now is he's, uh, you know, male model photographer. Right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) So I don't know. Uh, I there. I don't think, as far as I know, there's no. Uh, he's never confirmed it. I mean, he's not really in the public eye, so I don't think he's ever been in a situation to uh, really yeah. talk much about it. But no, it's not. And I mean, Jessica was saying it in the book. She was saying he, you know, he showed up to the wedding with a young boy, and his life was changed. He's different now. You know, she. I think it was there, but I think people wanted her to be like, yeah, he's a, he's a big gay now. <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> well, I think what she was doing and omitting so much of Joe and Ashley is setting them up for memoirs that I'll devour because I would have never bought either of their memoirs before, but now they'll get huge book deals because I think Ashley, at least my understanding is there's a lot of drug and alcohol abuse there and a lot of dark years there that she was covering for. And obviously Joe has his own journey, but um, yeah, you can't, you, you, if he isn't officially formally come out, that would have been so inappropriate of her to out him in the book without, not in his own words, but like, yeah, yeah if it's kind of implied, I understand. Yeah, people would have dragged her, I think, if she did. And you you mentioned Ashley. I think, yeah, stuff about Ashley that I wish she would have talked about. But hopefully we'll get that from Ashley, who just announced today that she's pregnant. She did? Yeah, she just announced on her Instagram with like a with like a sponsored uh, pregnancy test post. Oh, jeez. It's like her, thir- her okay, third Malika. baby. I, I know. I was like, think, I want to know how much they get paid for that. Because that's like a pretty, to do your pregnancy announcement with, a sponsored post they have to be paying really good money for that but I, i'm curious what oh, yeah. it is i don't know it's good money because i vaguely know a model who when she was pregnant explained how much more money she made while pregnant because it's a demand-based market and in an uncontrolled with an uncontrollable variable that only a certain segment of the population can do you get serious money if you're a pregnancy model so I'd imagine similarly with products, Malika Hack, she doesn't hawk a ton of stuff. She could she could make ser- some serious money, but she announced hers with like first response. Yeah, that's Ashley's was, I don't remember the brand, but she rarely, I don't think she ever really does spawn posts. I was, that's why I was sort of surprised by it. Uh, the one thing Jess did not talk about was the edible, uh, like lotion line, which I was kind of bummed about. You know, I know I would have liked more about the dessert line. I, I, uh, yeah, gone too soon. I wish she'd reboot that. <laughs> My, when I researched the edible line, it apparently it was such, it was, you know, most people have like BS licensing deals. They pretend they're like these ground up bootstrapped entrepreneurs when really they've been to one meeting and like signed something. And I think that's what it was. And that then they came after her for, they sued her in like 2008. And I'm sure she just didn't want to give them any credit or, I don't know which would make sense, but okay. A couple quick Bravo things. Cause I know people are like, do you get so sick of talking about Bravo? Because I got, you're so good at at it and you're so brilliant, but I always, it's like, I know you're so much more than Bravo and I never want to like minimize you to just talking about Bravo. No, I don't. I'm happy to talk about, Bravo. you know, I feel like if there's anything I'm an expert in, it's Bravo. And so I'm happy to talk about Bravo, but I do, um, you know, I, I, feel like I get, I get tired of my own opinions about Bravo, if that makes sense. But um, I love it. I think like it's even if you have similar opinions on a crossover podcast, they're not going to trust me. No, people are thrilled to hear from you, period. <laughs> um, oh. I no, people are going to be so excited for this. Uh, I want to ask you about, you know, I like. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say, I love, um, I love all of pop culture and I feel like Bravo is like, I feel like an expert in, but it's been fun since the COVID-19 stuff has happened. Like I've been having, I've been doing extra episodes. So I've been diving in and interviewing a lot of other people outside of it. And that's been really, really exciting for me just because although I love Bravo and will always, you know, it's the best. Um, it's fun to just also be able to show that other side. Oh, 
Totally. I think anything that becomes your subject matter expertise, you, just creatively, you have to balance it. Like, like for me, like Taylor Swift or something, you know, or like things I'm associated with, I have to like take a minute and like do other things. Or otherwise, I'm just so like, right. <laughs> it's important and I'll never not love it. But yeah, I totally get that. And sometimes Bravo isn't that strong. Like there are seasons where it's just like tough stuff. Yeah, I've been really feeling that with Vanderpump Rules. I think that's almost been causing like what I'm feeling like a little burnout with because Vanderpump Rules has just been such a shitty season this season. And um, I recap it every week on my show. And, uh, you know, there's only so much you could say about it. It's just not a well-produced sh- a season. And the producers are great and the show is great. It's just they're just having an off year. And I, I hope they're able to get back. I don't know. Uh, but but it's hard to every week talk about something where you're like, oh, I, it's not good. <laughs> you know, it's just I know. not great. I, and I've been, I've like honestly sat down and thought like, okay, how, how do Ramona Singer and Sonia Morgan and Luann Deliceps have legs that Stasi, Sheena, Katie, Kristen don't? Is it their life phase? Like, I'm trying to kind of isolate what the fact, like, cause I, I would never blanket say after X seasons, it's not interesting. You're done. Um, but I feel like New York specifically is tapped into something where it gets, it, it, it's a fine wine and yeah. it gets better with age. And then Vanderpump, it's just like, they're aging out and I can't fit And I, I hate that. Cause I'm their age. I don't, they're not like irrelevant. Yeah. They're not too old. I just think that maybe at, at a point in life, there's just not enough inherent drama than when you're maybe a little bit older and living your second life after your first husband and children. Right. Right. And I think the DNA of the show Vanderpump Rules were so far away from what it started as. Whereas Housewives, mm-hmm. like they're the whole concept of the show is still the same concept. And we're still following women who are, uh, you know, dealing with their friendships. I, I don't know if I don't know if I'm making any sense, but um, Vanderpump Rules is just so far away from what we started as. And I think mm-hmm. it, it causes issues with Everyone from the cast to production to camera people, everyone, I feel like they're not exactly sure. No one's quite sure. I believe that they are doing the same show. Like they're sometimes trying, they're sometimes trying to do what they did in the first season where it's like people are clocking in at Sir. And then other times they're taking a step back and telling us, well, they're not working at Sir anymore, but then, then they're making them go back to Sir. And it's like, no one's really sure. And no one, so no one's making any decisions. They're bringing in new people to kind of get back to that old way. But then, but then the people that we want to follow aren't working there. And it's like a different, so it's all like a, a combination of a lot of things, I think is why it's so fucked up right now. But I, I don't know. It's a mess. Two nights ago, uh, like my, even my husband was, and I were, my husband who like, doesn't, he's like in the background of me watching Bravo. He was like, I can't believe we're at the point where we're watching them play a rec softball game. I was like, and it was I, like know. I know. And Kate, it was like a whole soft, like they, there was more baseball. Sheena mentioned how her <laughs> great aunt was on a league of their own. And I just watched that movie and there's not, there wasn't as much baseball in the movie, a league of their own as there was in the episode of Vanderpump rules. Like we don't see a full game on a league of their own. It's just like, they show us little clips and then we're in other teams, but on Vanderpump rules, we literally watched, I felt like the whole game and there was a hundred percent more playing baseball or softball in Vanderpump rules than a league of their own. And that's crazy. (laughs) I haven't watched that much softball since the babysitters club movie. (laughs) 
True. where Christy starts us off. Like, and then uh, I was also thinking of the Bachelor episodes in the middle, the meat of like the season that nobody watches. People want the intros and people want the final, you know, the hometowns. But they always do dumb sports in the in the meantime. And it's they're the worst episodes. And it's just like such filler television that I just feel, I don't know, I think more highly of evolution media. I just want them... I, I and I think they thought maybe that their new people would give them that. And I will say I think Charlie's very funny. Um and I Dana's fine. I don't have a problem with any of the like the guys are all the new guys are awful. But yeah. the women I think have potential, but like you just can't beat the being entrenched of a in a storyline the way the brandy Sheena, like Sheena, the the entire she carried the show on her back the whole time and probably did. You're like a big Sheena um, supporter, right? <laughs> a big Sheena apologist. You know, I haven't. <laughs> I wasn't always. This season, I truly am, and I'm. I just am noticing things that I am almost like feeling bad at the way that they edit her, and uh, you know, she's presented this boy crazy person. She had a lot of other things going on, and we're not seeing any. We're not seeing like the egg retrieval. We're not seeing certain things that she's True. doing, and then they're they're editing her. Even this past week, there was a scene where she was next to uh, Nikolai and I thought oh it God. was so weird that in her confessional she said I'd never date someone who's under 21 you know she said 21's <laughs> the youngest I would go but then they're editing it to make us look to make it look like Sheena wants to fuck this young kid and it's like <laughs> that's like fucked up like that's like at a certain point like I and Sheena's game and I'm sure that she knew what she was getting into with that but at a certain point it's like um weird that they would never do that with a man on the show they wouldn't ever have like Jack's, oh you couldn't yeah like you couldn't do that and so I just little things like that where I'm like oh my god I feel bad for her I think um, she yeah. maybe has the most self-awareness and sense of humor about herself more so than anybody um that she won't get credit for and I think that the only times I've like really laughed this season involve her like her with her inhaler <laughs> Her saying, you know, she's divorced, but that doesn't define her. But when you introduce yourself with the, like, hi, Sheena Shea, comma, divorce, that does define you because you're literally right. leading with it. <laughs> and like, I almost I almost need to like deduce each season to be described with like Sheena could be described in one sentence because like two years ago it was like Sheena like loves Rob. Then it was like Sheena lives far away. I'm in the, Marina Del Rey last season. And now it's just like. It, 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 she almost just like it, it's given this simplified storyline and it's kind of like they're not they have it out for her, but they make the producers make fun of her in ways they don't make fun of Stasi, for example. Right. They make Stasi seem like she's a regular Dorothy Parker. Right. And but it's like ranch. I'm like, I know, the I get ranch, it. the Game of Thrones. And and I like Stasi too, but I, I wish they would present I wish they would show us all their real lives. And you know, I did the cocktail book with Ariana and Tom and and they worked so hard on it and I know they filmed some stuff and and the book has been a huge success and I there hasn't been like not one frame about them working on it and I mean uh, in the cocktail book there's like a million um it's 80 recipes and there's all these photos and we shot for like a whole week or you know I was on set but they, they were shooting all those pictures we had like this amazing photographer like it was like a big a big deal and it's been a big success and I don't understand like why and and I know that makes it sound like I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm uh, biased or whatever. 
but I just, that was like a specific instance that I saw firsthand. And I don't understand why we're not seeing like not even one frame of it and not even just selfishly for me to promote the book on the show, but I'm saying like, and I didn't even film. It was them that, you know, I just saw that they were filming. It was, it wasn't like I'm looking for a scene of me or something, (laughs) but I just don't understand. It was like such a huge part of their lives and, and they work so hard on it. And, and the fact that we're getting these scenes of, uh, of Max and Dana having what this feels like such a fake relationship. Ugh. It's like, why are we seeing that? Or, or why aren't we seeing Sheena's egg retrieval thing? Like, I don't understand the decisions they're making seem weird to me. I agree. And I think like Bravo, I almost feel like um, they view certain shows as like the, this vapid vessel for a, a certain type of indulgence that we like, but I'm not afraid to get serious with the characters. I would love for them to have a meaningful arc. I think that yeah. they are um, emotionally stunting them to be these caricatures of themselves that they actually aren't in real life. And, and we see they through think, that. We, we, the viewers yeah. see through that. Like we can see that they're p- painting them into these caricatures of what they maybe once were. And so it, it just feels like fakey and we're all realizing that it's, it's feeling too fake. And so I wish we would go back to kind of wherever it is they are, if they are messy in their real life, let's see it. But if, you know, I don't know. They're even, um, I had uh, this past week on the show, I had a Jared uh, who's the makeup artist for a lot of the girls on the show. And, you know, the, yes. he was, him and I were talking and he was, he was giving some great insight into the show because he's seen it firsthand and, and he has just recently gone through this cancer journey. And he was telling me, I don't know if this was on the show or or off air, but he was talking about how so many of the cast members like did so much work raising money for him and and Aww. really like did a lot of wonderful work for him when he needed this transplant. And it's like that's the kind of thing I think would be charming to see on the show, you know? Yes. I I think I would love to f- see them be more human. I would love to see more intimate, sweet moments of friendship. I think the Kristen stuff is not a good look. I listened to Sassy's podcast and I get what she's, she's, they, her and Katie were like, we didn't do a good job at communicating why we were frustrated. It just kind of looks like we iced her out and it does. And it looks unfair. And my doormat being used to like, um, shade like she has one of my mats that i used to make that says have the best day ever and the producers like use it to be like she's having a shitty day and i'm like (laughs) and bless her heart she's i don't know she's always been nice to me i understand the dynamics of friendships are impossible but i think it's getting to that point of where housewives will get when a lot of the issues on camera are things off camera they're not talking about and I felt this that season with like Yolanda and Munchausen's um, of like, it's almost trying to orchestrate a story without telling people the story. And Stassi and Katie were basically like, Kristen told us to bring up Carter on camera. When we did, she was livid. And then we looked like assholes. And then she stayed with Carter. And like, I, which, so I kind of get that. But But that's the problem right there. It's like, let's talk about that on camera. Let's, I want to hear Stassi in the confessionals say, Hey, Kristen told me in this scene last season to not bring up Carter, like pull back the curtain and show us all that. Cause it's real at least. And I think we're smart enough to be, we're, we're seeing it on Beverly Hills now. And I think more and more Bravo will do that. But I think that's the only way forward with Vanderpump rules 
because that's good, interesting drama still. And at least totally. as an audience, we can get it then. It's not like we're missing something. And we're smart enough to know, oh, yeah, these people are famous. And yeah, they're filming a TV show. And yeah, I could see why uh, Stasi would be upset that Kristen told her not to bring up something on camera. Like, I want to see that. Well, the Be- okay, the Beverly Hills scene with the producers asking Doreen and PK about their oh. finances. I was like, and but the, the it was like so good, but it was such a tease because when she asked if his he and his wife had their house in both of their names, the normal answer would be yes. Like they look at because you can't buy like with a mortgage, you both need to have like decent credit, and you usually put both of your names on it, and but they made it seem like she was like when yeah, she wasn't, yeah, she yeah. wasn't getting him, but I don't think he was going to like, you know, throw under the bus, but that was like actually really exciting that they sat them down. They maniacally chewed gum and nervously answered questions that showed that they were guilty. So than the words that were coming out of their mouth, uh, I loved it. It was like, I got goosebumps. Also, I've never seen two people look more like con people than when they were being asked if they were con people. And also I love reading between the lines and me like, okay, so the producer obviously thinks they're con people because they're asking, they're implying right. that they're con people. Yeah. I loved it. It was great. Where do you think, so do you think, like, where do you think Dorit's $6 million comes from to buy a modern farmhouse? I don't know, but didn't, uh, did you see the farmhouse this week? I felt like it looked like one of those valley houses from Vanderpump Rules. Like, the aesthetic reminded me of it a little bit. Um, I, I, but I don't, I don't know. know LA well, but is that not just like a copy-paste neighborhood of, like, the same house? Yeah, I mean, it is. I guess it's sort of like a style, you know, the farm, the yeah. kind of, what do they call it? Farmhouse, whatever. Um, but Dorit's look like just a, a different scale version of those Vanderpump houses. That's not how every house is in LA. I mean, that's why it's weird on Bravo. It seems like they're all moving into these houses that look like right. that, <laughs> but, but it's not how it is. I don't know what's, I don't know why they all are, but um, uh I don't know. I forgot my train of thought. <laughs> I lost. Oh no. I was, no, I was just wondering if you thought, like, I, I guess I'm just, it's like, I get PK's, I get, the, you know, PK's issues up with the market up and down, whatever, the boy Georgia at all. But I'm just like, Dorit's like, yeah, it's in my name. I have like, whatever, six, seven million dollars. And it's just never been made clear to the viewer what she does or how she makes money outside of Beverly Beach. And she's then in a lawsuit for Beverly Beach that comparatively is a nominal amount of money that takes over her life. And like, I don't know. I just don't know how to feel about them. I think they're such great characters. But right. like Brian Moylan went on Bitch Sesh, said that they weren't together anymore. But apparently they are. I don't. I just don't know what to think. Yeah, I find them both very fascinating. And I love watching them, especially now that we're kind of diving in. Um, but I also don't even understand like the boy George of it all. Like, is he the only client? Like, I don't... I, I know some people who are managers and I don't th- normally... I suppose everyone's different, but normally there's, you have more than one client. And so it's weird to me that he just manages him and then, and then also does like other stuff. It's very sketch. I don't know something. It's all very sketchy. And I love that we're just sort of diving in now and and referencing the sketchiness on camera. And I hope to learn more and I can't wait. (laughs) I feel like Beverly Hills feels so fresh right now and exciting. And I, I've probably the last two or three seasons I've like hate last season. I didn't even recap it on my show. Cause I was like, I just don't like it right now. Um, and now I feel like it's fantastic. Oh, it is fantastic. And I agree. 
I was down on it. I was down on all housewives, but I feel like New York and Beverly Hills, they always, they always, you know, rise up, but yeah. the, uh, to loop it back to, um, uh, Sheena, she, um, wait, she, uh, <laughs> to loop it all, all roads lead back to she, she, <laughs> wait, what were you just, she, she, what were you she, just she, saying? Um, I don't know. Con people, saying? Sheena, home goods candles. Shoot, I had such a good point about Sheena that now I'm forgetting, but, um, yeah. Well, have you, um, deep dove into Sheena's TikTok? No, no. Is she on TikTok? I'm new to TikTok, so, so I has... don't really understand it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I will have... And TikTok's insufferable until you understand it. But then once you do, it's like a problematic time suck. But what's so funny about Sheena on TikTok? Well, she has this new boyfriend, Brock, which is like the most yeah. Sheena boyfriend name I've ever heard. Um, Kate, I, I you, met him before. He? I've met him before. And he was, I got to say, so hot in person, like in a very, like in a very, I don't even know how to explain it. Like intoxicating way. Like he's just, he's, I don't even know how to it, it truly like shockingly hot in like a very raw sexual way. Like it's, um, I don't know. Uh, but he also, he came, um, I lost my train of thought cause I was thinking of his eyes, but, um, no. So he, I did a book signing at the Grove here in LA with Ariana and Tom and Sheena and Brock came and my parents happened to be in town. So they were there too. And Brock was like talking to my dad and even my parents like lo loved him. Like my afterwards, my dad was like, I really like that book guy. <laughs> like, I was like, Oh my God. Like even my dad fell in love with him. Um, but he's, he's like very sweet and, and he seemed really, I mean, I obviously was very brief encounter, so I don't know, you know, much more about him, but he seemed like so smart and nice and, and he really like liked her and he's from another country. So he's kind of got like, I didn't get any sort of like thirsty vibe from him the way that ah. sometimes I feel like maybe people who date reality stars would be like, I didn't get that. I'm not saying he's not. I just, I didn't get that from at all. He just seemed like nice. I was, I was just shocked. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that because he is the star of her TikTok, And I was kind of laughing because it's a very Sheena thing to do because you know how like the nucleus of TikTok is like repetition. It's like somebody does something once and everybody does it. Um, she's only picking things that require her to be lifted because <laughs> oh, he's like large right. and she's tiny. <laughs> so it's like, you know, she'll do like time of my life, like dirty dancing. But then like, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but I assume next she'll do like Gosling and Emma Stone doing time of my life. You know, I was like, like it's, she'll just pick these specific things and she'll climb on like a tree and it's making me laugh. And she's actually literally going to follow there. her right now. I'm literally following oh, good. her. Her right now. <laughs> her and Ariana are the only two TikTokers, really. I wish Raquel would get into it because I'd watch the shit out of that. Oh my god, I I'm really love Raquel. Um, you've, I just you've, followed. You've Sheena turned. You've TikTok. changed my mind about Sheena and Raquel. You've actually really gone to bat for them to use a softball metaphor on your podcast. <laughs> well, I yeah, I'm really into Raquel right now. Um, she, the thing I like about Raquel, and uh, to some extent Sheena, uh, Sheena too, I feel like they're deep down good people. I feel like they're nice yeah. human beings that have a good heart and they're messy and they might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, of course. But I I think that they're both sweet human beings. And I don't know, I don't really, I've never met, I think I met Raquel like very briefly in passing at BravoCon. But other than that, like I've never met or spent time with her or anything. I just, that's how I, I feel like she's got a sweet soul. What do you think of BravoCon? 
Oh, it was so fun. I, I, I don't know how it'll happen this year with everything that's going on, but it was a really great time. It was, it was so much fun and, and much better. I happened to be very ill that weekend. Like I was very sick. Um, so that part wasn't great, but, um, it was so much fun. They really did a good job. I couldn't believe that they pulled it together and, and it was much smaller, I think, than what people realized. Like, I know there was a lot of press about how people can get tickets and stuff. And I think that was because they kept it like, you know, fairly, it was smaller than like yeah. a Comic-Con. Um, and, and they did that so that everyone that went, I think, would have a really good experience. And I, I didn't hear much negativity about people who were there. I certainly had a wonderful time. And I think most people did. There, I'm sure some people might not have, but... Um, for the most part, it felt like they pulled it together. They had great panels. They had great accessibility, like for people to take photos and stuff with people. And yeah, and it was just really fun. Have you been to another con? No, no, I don't. I'm trying. No, I don't think so. I've never been no. to a con period. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I don't know. I can't speak for the other cons, although they did do, <laughs> they did like a Christmas movie con that I really wanted to go to that happened to be, I think right around the time of Bravo, Bravo con. Um, but I didn't make it. Uh, but I'm always up. I'm up for a con, not a great <laughs> con. But I'm. I hope they do BravoCon again. Apparently, there's like a 90 Day Fiance con, which I don't know how I feel about that. Like, do you watch 90 Day Fiance? Okay, so I dip in and out. My boyfriend watches 90 Day, and I have like there have been seasons that I've watched. And I actually went to an event here in LA. It was like ahead of like maybe last season or two seasons ago of 90 day fiance. And they had a bunch of the cast there. It was at a bar and I got to interview like a lot of the people and I was sort of loosely familiar. I know Darcy um, very well from the TV. Like I've, I'm familiar <laughs> with who she is and she's wild to me. Like I've interviewed her a couple of times or maybe two or three times. And it's, it's wild experience. Um, but I wouldn't want to go to a con. Like I went to this restaurant where it was like, Oh, so many of them wandering around and I just don't know if I'd want to go to like a full con of that or full they're right. very well, unique people and I think the funny part about like any show I guess or reality TV is how virtually meaningless anybody is to you until you get like super into it um, because like even like I hadn't watched Love is Blind yet and one of my listeners had a connection to Mark offered it to me I was like I don't know and then I watch it. I'm like, holy shit, this is like an exclusive interview. And um, after, and then you get like obsessive about it. And I think 90 Day is one of those funny things where it's just your average creep on AnastasiaDate.com until you watch it and you're like into it. But I, I've never heard you talk about it, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, I kind of dove in. There was one season. I I I think I did one episode, and then I've had Darcy on the show. Um. So I didn't, it's not something I regularly cover. I think I might've done one or two episodes about it on my podcast because everyone was saying, you got to watch it. And I, it wasn't that I didn't like it. It was just a big commitment and it was too, I couldn't commit to that as well as all the Bravo stuff. Did you right. interview Mark? Did you end up interviewing Mark from Love is Blind? Yeah, I did. I actually got his, so I was lucky and got one of his first interviews like the day after the finale and he was oh right and I, it saw, was this, I saw that on, on yeah it was social. like yeah, yeah. That, like he had a girlfriend it actually kind of worked in my favor if i'm honest but he was so nice and he was yeah. really charming and i really enjoyed his company and he was not that short they made him seem like danny devito he was yeah. a solid nine <laughs> he did uh he was the guest at my live show in atlanta which was literally the last time i oh, been my God. out of the house you know like 
it was it was right like as all this stuff started to happen and it was before everything was like legally shut down but um i had a show in dallas and the night of my dallas show it was like the that was when uh the president had gone on tv and said you know there i don't know that things were getting really bad and then yeah the next night was the atlanta show and mark was so nice because a lot of people were scared to kind of come out that night because you know it was getting really bad and then but he was so sweet and he was i I found him like so handsome and charming and and great um the I agree. I was kind of like swept. I I I, I was like very charmed, and I feel like me too. He could have been. Kind I of didn't juicy, think it came but... across. I didn't think it came across on the show how sort of charming he was. Yeah, and like confident. Yeah. I just also realized yeah. I sent you a thing from five to six. I'll let you go soon. I'm so sorry. I never mean to keep people over. No, time. it's okay. Yeah. Um. No worries. Uh, do you do you have a like? Are, you're not like missing something right now, right? I let you go by. Through, what time? No, I've already recorded my show for the day. Yeah, I, all my stuff is done, so I'm good. Okay, I'll let you go by four thirty. Um, I was going to ask you. Oh, real quick, thoughts on Summer House? Oh, I love it. I love it. I think it's the best, one of the best shows on Bravo right now. I think people are missing out. I didn't like the first two seasons, but I love it now. And it's one of the shows I most look forward to watching. I think it's just really great. I think they have a great cast. I interviewed Luke today, actually. It's going to be on my show on Monday. Um, and I even, I, I very rarely like the straight men on Bravo. Like I, <laughs> I tend to find most of the straight men on Bravo are pretty insufferable, but I found him nice and, I think he's maybe genuinely a nice human, but um, I don't know him personally, so I can't say that for sure. Uh, but I love all the people. I love the cast. I hate I, even Carl, who I don't like. I think he's good on the show. Like he's good for the show. Right. I don't care for him. Like when I watch him, I'm like, oh, fuck him. But, you know, and I think he's good for the show. Lindsay, I think is like one of the stars of Bravo. Like she's one of my favorite people to watch on Bravo. When she gets activated, there's nothing better. Activated. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like I, I honest, she's like she's. There's so many things about her that are frustrating, but like you almost have to high level look at her as a reality character and be like, she just last season came out the gate in a deep V and was like, I got new tees. It is what it is, and like every housewife would hide that for eternity and act like it never happened. There's something refreshing about her, and um. She, she she's the I, Kristen Doty of the Hamptons. Like I feel like when I started to realize she's so similar to Kristen Doty in like the reality TV kind of messy way, that was when I really started to like her. Yeah, like had a serious toxic boyfriend at the beginning, then like had a single arc, and also is kind of in the through line amongst the drama, but not the focal point. Right. Uh, you're right. She that's true. And also, it's funny because like Hannah Burner is, I feel like, really the entire focus at least of the recent episodes. Yeah. Her relationship with Luke I, is so fascinating. And, and uh, yeah, I, I love Hannah too. She has, have you had her on Same. your show? Your show? Yeah. I met yeah. her and I, we're kind of friendly now and I really love her and I didn't know what to expect of her, but she was so sweet and cool and nice yeah. in person. And I kind of feel bad because I interviewed her before this season aired. And I was just like, you talk a lot about tennis. And like, I didn't really like dig in more, but I, there's a lot there. And I think she's really sweet and entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and super quick witted and, and funny. And yeah, I think 
this season. I don't know. The cast is perfect. You know, I don't love that Paige, she doesn't have the boyfriend on camera. I feel like that's a misstep. It's like you either have to have him on or you have to get off the show and like, let's fill up that spot with someone. And I like her a lot and I, I don't want her to go. I just want her to show the guy. Well, and I think her like uh, being upset with Hannah was like a little um, emblematic of a, she needed a little bit of drama and B I was kind of like, why does she, why is she meddling so much in this? But then I realized it's a very 25 year old thing to do. Like women in their teens and twenties think that like they, they take it as their job to crusade against uh romantic mediocrity. Mm. And the battle cry is like, she's my best friend. Like it's just, I, I had a flashback of moments when I was younger, <laughs> when people really think like they, they belong uh, in your love life. And now nobody, I don't know when, when you get older, nobody interferes like that. But I think she's, that showed her age to me. Cause she's like 27. Right. right. Which yeah. doesn't sound that young, but it kind of is. Um, yeah. And yeah. Amanda and Kyle, I don't think they should get married. My husband and I no. like are very worried about them. <laughs> I know. I I've never seen a couple seemingly hate each other so much. And I know they have moments where they, are getting along, but like by and large, they, I don't think she likes him at all. And I don't know that he likes her at all. Like it's almost feels like they just are settling. And I know that happens so often in life. Like we all know friends and stuff that are like that, but it's shocking to watch on TV. That relationship is surprising to me because yeah, they, I don't think they care for each other at all. Well, that's the reality of it. That's refreshing almost it's like i know a ton of people that got married just because it was like the right age and like they're they're, you're here i'm here we're roughly the right age like let's do this thing and not to minimize their relationship but like yeah it just doesn't seem healthy and then to do lover boy full time i have not tasted lover boy have you no i don't know that it exists outside the show like i don't believe that it (laughs) i know it (laughs) supposedly does renewal by ramona (laughs) yeah i'm not someone who believes that this exists like it just seems like something on the show but they seemingly have a lot of it on the show uh you know it was interesting when i talked to luke he said uh jules who i'm fascinated by her story and he was sort of implying that she uh was thirsty for camera doing things like very calculated for to be on a show yeah and a lot of it wasn't natural and um that was I, I found that interesting. Well, I think I that was the only assumption. That's the only explanation for her getting with Jordan, right? And also now with Carl. I don't know. Did they hook up already, or was that just in a preview? Um, they like sort of. They made a it little... seem like she was the one moaning. Oh right, right. But it, it turned out to be Hannah. There's a real like and voyeuristic rock- quality that I love about the show yeah. too. You know, like. I know it's sort of gross that we're watching like a moaning sex scene or whatever, but that's, I think, one of the appeals of the show. It's vo- very voyeuristic, more than any other show on Bravo. It feels like those old school real world kind of, yes. uh, yeah, that that vibe. For, for those of us that snuck downstairs to watch people bone on the real world with like creepy raccoon night vision eyes, it feels like home. Yeah, I love it. I, I can't recommend it enough. And and honestly, at this point, I, I feel like I keep telling people to watch it. But at this point, like if you're not watching it, it's a you're lost. Like I, I don't I'm not gonna try to convince anyone else to watch it. The ratings aren't out. there. I'm a little worried. And now I don't know what this summer, like that's that's a weird situation I was thinking about because like like Craig Conover sat next to my friend at a wedding. And she told me what he told her he makes per episode, which is a hilarious thing that a person would bring up at a wedding. <laughs> I know. Um and what did he I was say? like, wait, what did he say? I need to look up the exact amount. I, I feel like it was 
at least 50,000 an episode. Like it was okay. pretty serious money for a 13 plus season reality TV show of an ensemble cast. When you think about that. And it was impressive in a sense of people torture him about not having a job, but he makes more money than like, uh, you know, up, yeah, upper like level executive job. at like a CPG company. Yeah. I always see that complaint on Twitter and stuff. People would be like, he doesn't have a job or what's their job. And it's like, that's their job. You're watching their job. Their job. Like, <laughs> that's the job. Yeah. But yeah, I, I always see that complaint. People will tweet at these people and be like, they don't work. Or even um, like Katie on Vanderpump Rules or someone, they'll be like, they're lazy. They don't have a job. And it's like, well, technically, like, this is their job. <laughs> like, I know. You know. I've, Katie's, I feel bad. I like Katie and I. she's gotten bad at it this season. But the other funny thing about that wedding is my friend doesn't watch Bravo, but she was texting me to be like, I think, like, do you know who this person is? Like, he's very good looking, very nice, but also told me how much he makes. And the the other thing she was like, yeah, the other weird part was like, he, ha- he's like banging the bride. I'm like, okay, <gasps> that tracks like the glad you met Craig. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like, a, yeah, that's surprising. And also unsurprising. I was surprised. Uh, well, I met him at BravoCon and he, I, I didn't expect him to be like that handsome in person. Like he was, yeah. I thought he was like stunning in in real life and very tall. He doesn't come across as tall on camera. A lot of people don't, but he and Jules had like the brief like story, and then nobody ever said anything again. But I just I can't imagine anybody would get with Jordan unless that was the effort there because it's like, dude, I don't know how many summers you that you can't get it up can be your storyline, but like get off TV. It's like not working know, for it's you. It's very uncomfortable. It's not working in a lot bad. of different ways. I know it's weird. It's weird. It's uh, yeah. Um, Great show though. Real quick. You had, um, well, I know Fran Drescher is one of your personal icons, right? She you is, had her on yeah. your show recently. I did. Yeah. It was so exciting. I love the nanny. I love her. Uh, and yeah, she was so wonderful. You know, it's interesting. She's very chatty and, you know, from interviewing people, it's like, sometimes she was just very chatty. And at a certain point, very early on in the interview, I was like, I'm just going to sit and listen. And I didn't even have to ask any questions. Like she just was talking and I was loving it, (laughs) but I had all these questions, you know, I was like super prepared. And then the question just sort of went out the window and I was like, I'm just going to listen to you. And so we were only supposed to talk, I think, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. And we ended up talking like an hour. Um, and I loved her. She was great. 20 minutes. I would have overprepared for 20 minutes too. Cause it's like, well, how do you, by the time you get comfortable, what yeah, are you even going to get out of her? I know more time is always better as you know, but also it's like, I like having the flexibility. Like if an interview is going well to have the flexibility to keep going longer, or if it's really shitty to be like wrapping it up after 10 minutes. But um, she was like, I could have not prepared not a single question and it would have been us filling up an hour. Cause she was just happy. She wanted to talk about all, a lot of like health stuff, health and wellness stuff. Cause she has cancer schmancer. And so it was a great, it was, I thought she was great. And yeah, she was great. Was that in person? It was, no, it was over the phone, uh, just like FaceTime audio. So it wasn't even like face-to-face. Yeah. What about Katie Couric? Katie was great. That was like, uh, that was this week and it's been crazy. It's gotten like a lot of press coverage, which has been surprising. Like I didn't expect it to, but uh, that was sort of a weird situation because I mean, you talk about posting stuff on Instagram and I had just posted about her newsletter because I really liked it and I was not posting to like get her attention or anything. I was just sharing. I was like, I like this email newsletter. You guys sign up. And I, 
uh, in the swipe up link, I didn't realize like it was attached to my, there was like a referral link that was attached to my thing. Oh, interesting. So, so I just posted it. I swear to God, like just cause I thought it was a great thing. And then the next morning <laughs> I woke up and I had like a video in my DM of her, like thanking me. And then like the people from her media team reached out to me and were like, they said, I, no one has ever signed up more people in like the history of their, her email newsletter. And so then, of course, I was like, well, I have a podcast. Would she come on the show? And then she was so sweet to come on the show and talk about her career and, and everything. And as a journalist, you know, and as I've, I grew up watching her on the Today Show. That was, yeah, it was just of so course. exciting. So exciting uh, for me. And and I felt like it was a great conversation. And and yeah, it was It was, it great. was a great conversation. And like, I <laughs> think you handled it really well. And you guys work together well. And I would be intimidated to talk to a journalist as like, podcasts are podcasts are these this weird form of like modern journalism that like isn't journalism by like trade or training and sometimes when I talk to people that are news adjacent I feel like oh a little like I'm a little out of my element like I I don't really understand this but you held your own ask good questions it was a pointed conversation I thought you did a really good job oh thank you thank you yeah you know she's a pro so I felt like she it was just a, a great, I felt like it was a smooth conversation. You know, when you get off the phone with certain people, it's like, oh, that went really well, or it went really shitty. It's, uh, or somewhere in between. That was one time. And actually I had Kathy and Jimmy on the show recently, who's an actress from Hocus Pocus and stuff. Yeah. And that was a specific time where I got off the phone. And I was like, oh my God, that was, that went, so, I thought it went so well. It felt so good. Um, both her and Katie, the, within the past, I don't know, week or two, um, they're just conversations. I was like, Oh man, it felt natural. It felt like we were just buddies talking a little bit. And yeah, and, I love and that. So that was, yeah, that was good. So with the last couple of minutes I have with you, what, um, what are you working on right now? Uh, gosh, I'm doing extra episodes of the podcast, everything iconic. And then I'm also working on a, another book project. I'm a, a book writer too. So I'm, I'm hoping to do my own book. So that's what I'm working on now, a proposal for that. So it's still in the early phase and I we'll see what happens. Um, so I'm writing that. And then I also have a movie project that I wrote that um, we have a director and an actress attached and I'm doing rewrites on that right now. And, and who knows, there's so many variables, especially now with COVID-19. So I don't know um, if we'll, if it'll get made, I'm hopeful that it gets made. But in the meantime, I'm just doing some work on a draft of that and a, uh, and hopefully if it moves forward and I can talk about it, I hope I can talk about it more. I feel so stupid and cheesy saying that, but um, yeah, uh, awesome. we have a, there's like a really amazing actress attached and it's like, I wish I could talk about it, but hopefully soon. Um, and yeah, that's it. Yeah. The, the hallmark of the, you know, millennial Pinteresty blogger is the secret project. And I don't think no, it's ever it's a bad thing to tease the secret project. <laughs> well, but, the, but in the entertainment, thing, yeah. the timeline is impossible because pe- you can't say what you're working on. And then it appears like you're not working or like you're not talking about what you're working on. And then there's so many layers of approval. And yeah, I know. And I, I feel stupid even saying it, but yeah, you also want people to know like you are doing something. Um, <laughs> Trust but me, then I also, it's like, there's, there's been so many times I've been working on projects and then they just, nothing happens with them. Right. Like right. you, they fall apart for a million different reasons. Or sometimes like you get hired to do something on something that ultimately never comes out, but you, you got paid for it or whatever, but it's like, you know, you, you can't really tell people, people don't understand. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a weird thing. 
Um, it but really this is, is. The, yeah, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully, one day I'll be able to talk about it. And it would, it's like a dream project. And I hope it, I hope it goes. Oh my God, I'm dying. Um, I'm so intrigued. Well, I also have the last thing I'll say before I go is um, you, so you started doing, you, you have like 200 and like 230 some episodes of your podcast, right? Like you've been doing this a long time. Oh yeah. We, the Katie Kirk was one was 250. That was like the oh my gosh. 250th total. Yeah. Um, so it's just over a, that now. It, that's incredible. And as a person that like also is a monologue, mostly host, it is more work than maybe people might understand. And also it's hard. It's nearly impossible to grow. If you're a person that grows through your podcast, it's a, it's a different game than a person who uses a podcast as an offshoot of their existing audience as like a revenue stream. Um, to grow through a podcast is a different thing. And you've, your podcast is huge. And you've done such a good job. And I loved wh- when you aired your first live show or part of it on your podcast, because you, it was helpful for me because you came right out the gate and were and talked about your anxiety and we're like, you were like, this process has not been easy for me. And this is very uncomfortable for me. And you, you kind of had this incredible monologue uh, that like humanized you and talked about mental health in a really interesting way. And I hadn't done a live show at that point. And I listened to that episode and it actually was a big breakthrough for me because I had not done one because I'm not a, in a sea of performers. I'm a person. I'm not, I don't go on stage. I'm not a caricature of myself. Like this is me. Like I am that person. And you bridge those two really beautifully. And um, I thought, I don't know. I can't even tell you how much that monologue meant to me. And I honestly mean that as like a friend, but um, I thought your, what I heard of your live shows on the podcast were really, really incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I try to talk about my mental health all the time. And I, I do think it can be annoying to some listeners or maybe thinking like, oh, he's talking about that again. But um, particularly with the live shows, that was like just a huge, crazy hurdle for me. And and I didn't know how else to do the live shows without telling everyone like, uh, you know, this I had thought because I used to perform. I used to stand up and sketch all the time. And then I fell in a re- like suicidal place where I didn't want to get out of bed. And at that place, I had told myself I'm never doing I'm never getting on a stage again. So then just through a lot, a series of events, the podcast has taken off and uh, suddenly I'm finding myself getting offers to do live shows. And that was both a struggle for me in my head to be like, well, is that something I'm even interested in doing? Because I thought that that part of my life was never going to happen again and was done. But also I, it it was an appealing thing to me because I thought, oh my God, I, I, I could get on stage and, it's, I have the support of the listeners who already kind of know who I am. And, and I, so I ended up doing it and I was very happy to do it and excited, but also it was a a hurdle uh, for me. So I felt like I had to address it and just let people know, like, I'm scared as fuck right now. And this is just not something I ever expected I would be doing. But as you know, with your show, it's like, I don't know. When you started it, did you imagine you would be doing a live show? Like I, I didn't even think of that. No. Yeah. That's kind of what I always am telling people. I'm like, you almost have to let like life, like uh, show you your potential instead of like plan for your reality. It's like, I would have never, like I was in a corporate job five, 
six years ago, like presenting about big data at like symposiums, which, so I was on stage for like for different reasons. Um, and I just would have never seen that. And yeah, I thought it was just helpful. I don't know. I think for me, I, when you're, when it's just you, I don't have a teammate. I don't have a co-host instead of somebody like building me up or dragging me or convincing me to do stuff. It's like the noise in my head, convincing me not to do stuff. And then I'm like the worst. And I think it's a unique position where, yeah, it would be probably more fun and a little easier if there was somebody balancing me out. But unfortunately that's like the voice in my head that is always not positive. So I feel you. (laughs) And I don't know if you feel this way, but like, that's one of the hardest things about my show is that I don't have a producer. I don't have anyone else to bounce ideas off of or anything. Of course, I have my boyfriend and he's helpful and I don't mean to diminish my relationship with him, but but it is, I feel like it's 100% of pressure on myself and it's hard to make those decisions. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of other people, you talk about people who have podcasts, when it's like a celebrity or something, oftentimes like the podcast companies reach out to them and um, they will give them a show and they'll give them a production team and editor and, you know, they'll promote it and everything. But when you're independent, it's like a lot of not just work on your plate, but a lot of decision-making on your plate. Like you don't have someone to say, Hey, this is a good idea to do this. And that in your immortalizing your passing thought. And I, I think that's a bit of a tricky part too, with like the edge of, of, the episodes I'm always the most uncomfortable with are always the ones that make me grow immensely. Um, but also equally bring in a lot of, uh, people that don't like them, but yeah, like a few of my ones that really put me on the map, I like screamed into a pillow afterward. I'm like, I don't know who to talk to about. I (laughs) no one's going to screen this. Like it just goes out. And in a normal process, like so many people see something anybody makes before the public does. And it's kind of just weird, like mouth to people. And Mm. you hope you have that personal discretion and like judgment. I don't know. Like people get canceled in two seconds. I have no idea what I could say that could be taken out of context. And it's a little bit stressful. Oh, yeah. I think I worry all the time. And I I try my best to be as uh, socially conscious as possible. And I don't want to offend anyone or hurt anyone's feelings. But, you know, when you're talking so much, oftentimes... Uh, you could say something and you don't mean to offend, but it's just, I, I don't know. I haven't run into a situation that's been, you know, really bad yet, but I'm like, oh my God, I talk three hours a week sometimes. Right. Yeah, I'm bound to say something stupid. Like I'm, I'm sure I have, but uh, it's, it's, it's challenging, but also, you know, the vulnerability, I think one of the reasons why people probably love that side of you sometimes is that, um, the vulnerability that you're able to express when you record alone. Like I, I, that's some of my best stuff I feel like has come from my solo episodes where I'm just talking and, and I'm getting emotional or I'm, I'm, I, I don't have anyone else sort of in the room with me and I'm able to just really like let go of all of my guard and, and uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but no, no, I, I'll tell thousands of people something I've never like told my mom and she'll call me and be like, I didn't know you felt that way about that. And like through the podcast, I've had so many revelations about my life or like the things people told me at Southern Baptist church camp that like affect, like I, I've had so many like epiphanies through talking because there's nobody like judge me in front of my face or respond. And the monologue seems self-indulgent, but in a lot of ways it's, it's, yeah, it's like a 
almost verbal journal or reflection, I guess. And I've, yeah, I I'll say so much more to a lot of people than I would to one person. And I, it is kind of a weird thing you learn through doing it that but that's what over you time you get more people, comfortable with. And that's what people are connecting with. They're connecting because you're, you're just completely yourself in those moments. And I, I don't know. That's what I think. And even, yeah. you know, there's been times I've like cried on my show and it's, I'll hear from people and oh, it's like, that's, that's what people respond to. You know, they like that you're being authentically yourself. If you feel a certain way, it comes up, it comes up. I know. And you can't overthink it. Cause I'll listen back to myself crying when I'm not in a crying mood. And I'm like, eh, like doing the thing where you like choking through your words. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, yeah. But you almost yeah. just have to post it. Cause somebody might identify, but Anyway, Danny, you're the best. I'll let you go. People are going to be so excited about this, myself included. It was nice to just catch up with you in general. Oh, I know. Um, I know. This was where, so fun. Thank where you can for having people... me. Oh, my God. Of course. Where can people find you? Um, I'm at Danny, at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. And then the podcast is called Everything Iconic. And um, if you want some uh, good cocktails, I wrote a cocktail book called the Fancy AF Cocktails that's on Amazon. And there's like 80 plus cocktail recipes, every really easy ones and then really hard ones. And it's been so fun. So many people, because everyone's stuck at home, has been, you know, making it drinking a lot. <laughs> and, and if you're looking for a good yes. recipe, there's like some crazy, wonderful uh, recipes in there. So that's, yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. This was and, so much and fun. And then we'll all, hey. we'll all see you at my live show in Chicago when that happens. What's, do you have a new date? Yeah, it's on September. Um, well, but I don't, it's still, you know, there's a new day. Yeah. I don't know if it's, we'll see. I hope I'm it's, with you. I hope no it's one, for some reason the audio cut out, but there was only like a minute left. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You're the best. If you haven't figured it out by now, the answer was envelope. There's an envelope in the kitchen in the envelope section of a drawer that he, uh, won't know where it is because he's always like, do you have an envelope? And I'm like, never moved. Always in the same spot. That's what husbands are great for. It's like, you know, they ask you where the turkey is and like it's in the, you know, place in the fridge where like the turkey always is. But it's like, you know, they want you to get it for them. It's a uh, it's a real delight marriage. Um, I'm just kidding. I am very lucky, uh, whether in Italy or stuck in my apartment. I hope everyone is grateful for those we are able to see and for those we aren't we're able to keep in close touch and for those in isolation i can't even emphasize enough how much i love you feel for you and i hope i've kept you company and let me know if i can help in any way can we also agree that spy music is like awesome <laughs> i hope you enjoy the remainder of my 007 theme i played a lot of 007 um in the early 2000s uh, on N64, I typically was Natalia, and I really thrived in the stacks. I love anything with like a burning trash can, you know. Um, but also, I, like it's just kind of weird. As I feel like every time I rep, like if I see like a gun of some kind, you guys know I hate guns, but like even if in like a movie or something, I realize that I only know like Soviet assault rifles. Um, it's just like a funny database that sometimes I tap into in my brain. I'm like, ah, oh, interesting. Is that a KF-7 Soviet USA R-33 assault rifle? Yep. Not my first rodeo. Now find me a burning trash can and I'll show you what I can really do. Uh, anyway, guys, I hope you have a good rest of your, well, day, uh, because I'll see you again for influence in the time of COVID-19. I promise it's worth the pause because I did need to adjust it to what you wanted. 
and yeah, so I'll see you soon, but take care of yourself in the meantime. Love you. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear.